Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre of Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And on the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. And then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Pastor Corey. I'm Adam Seat Church. Welcome. I am so thankful that you have chosen to spend this time with us, whether you're worshiping with us online or those that are joining us in person. And one of the things I'm really excited about is Pastor Corey mentioned that next Sunday at 6 o'clock, we're having our first church council meeting of the year. But also at the very beginning of that meeting, we're having a called charge conference. Now in the United Methodist Church, what a called what a charge conference represents is when the church is doing work that impacts the greater conference of the United Methodist Church. And at the very beginning of our worship serv- of our meeting next week, our district superintendent, Reverend Michael Fries, is going to be joining us and overseeing as we consider our own worship leader, Josh Abraham, as a candidate for ministry. And so Josh has come before our staff parish relations committee expressing that he feels a call to ministry. And so it's an opportunity for us as a church to be able to hear that call, the ways that he feels that God is leading him, calling him, beckoning him, and us as a charge conference, the church council meeting, will be able to consider that and then be able to recommend him to continue as a candidate for ministry. So it's so exciting to think about how a journey is beginning and what God is doing, and so we celebrate that with Josh. And so thank you, though, for us being able to be present today in whatever ways that we are to be able to hear and to feel God's holy presence. Let's pray. God of grace and God of mercy, into this place and in this time we have come today. We've come expecting to receive a word from you. We've come expecting to feel your presence. We've come ready to be set free. And so by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you pour out upon us your presence. 
And would you transform these words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. As Pastor Corey said, last week we began a three-part series called Catch, Release, and Redeem. And for this series, we're sticking with the Gospel of Luke. This is the assigned Gospel reading for the Revised Common Lectionary. And so we're just going through these assigned Scriptures and finding the ways that God is catching, releasing, and redeeming. And as she said, today we are focusing on releasing, and, and we're really leaning into that image of being fishers of people. Fishers of people. Now, I'll tell you, fishing is not something that really lured me in as I was growing up or even as an adult. Nothing that I never got hooked on it. I mean, on the net, you could say that it just was not, I know, I'm sorry. It was just not something that I, I was attracted to. I, I just didn't have the patience, I think it was, for fishing. Now, some of you probably love it, and you could tell me how it is so wonderful. And I probably would love to go out there with you, and we'd have a good time watching that bobber just float. Fishing in Jesus' time was a bit different, as we know. He'd cast those nets. They'd drag them. They'd reel them in. I mean, it was difficult work that these people would do. And as Jesus has called us to be fishers of people, like Pastor Corey said last week, we've got to push out into the deep waters. That's a hard and difficult thing to do because a lot of times it leads us out into places of uncertainty, places that we might be nervous about, fearful of. But we know as Jesus calls us, Jesus also goes with us wherever we may be. And so last week, Pastor Corey read from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And before we pick up with where we are today, it might be helpful for us to just make sure that we understand the full context of the things that are happening. Because this is still very early in Jesus' ministry. So if you've got your own Bibles with me, with you today, I invite you, if you want to, pull it out. We're going to just walk through very briefly some of these passages. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay. You've probably got a phone. And this is going to be one of those times that you will hear the pastor say, it's okay to pull out your phone and worship. Because you may have the Bible app on your phone, uh, maybe the U version, or if you don't, maybe you want to pull it up on the web and you can go to BibleGateway.com. It's one of my sites that I utilize and you can look up all these different translations and, and that's a great resource. And the thing is, if you are pulling out your phone and or if you see somebody around you pulling out your phone, don't, don't don't judge. Don't judge what they're doing. Uh, a few years ago, I was at one church, and it was funny because right after worship, I had noticed on social media, one of my members was ranting about how rude someone was. They had their phone out the entire time of worship. And I mean, the thing that this person was saying, they didn't know the person that was sitting in front of them, but they just saw that the phone was out and the phone was on. Well, I started to take mental attendance because, believe it or not, a lot of times, not you, of course, but a lot of times people will sit in almost the exact same spot every week. Not y'all. But at that church, they did. 
And so you could almost take attendance based on where people were sitting. And, and I, so I started taking mental attendance and trying to figure out who was sitting in front of them. And I remembered and realized it was somebody that was pretty new to the church. And so I was kind of curious, well, if they're that bored in worship, why are they on their phone? Why are they even coming? And so I went to their social media site. And you know what? They were tweeting the whole sermon. <laughs> they were tweeting quotes from the sermon. How unchristian. So if you see somebody... If you see somebody with their phone out, don't judge. Stay in your lane. Maybe, maybe playing Candy Crush is what helps them stay uh, attentive somehow to worship. Or, or maybe if they're at home and somebody's doing yoga while they're listening to the sermon. I know that might be a stretch, but maybe that's what it takes. Maybe that's what it takes. This is terrible today. It's terrible. The staff has a pun jar when we have staff meeting. And uh, believe it or not, we're raising enough money to do all kinds of ministries in the world. But as we look at the scriptures, as we go back and we see the things, again, this is very early in Jesus' ministry. And so things are just getting kick-started. He's beginning to, to, to build up the name. Of, of Jesus. People are starting to hear about the things that he's been doing. And as she said in, in chapter 5 at the beginning there, Jesus had called these disciples to become fishers of men. But then immediately, the very next part, right after that, Jesus encounters a leper. Now this is one of those healings that takes place when it doesn't seem like a whole lot of people are around. A lot of times Jesus does these signs and wonders when other people are around because it gives glory to God. And people are able to see it and witness it. Here Jesus encounters a man that nobody wants to touch. Nobody wants to be close to. And Jesus heals him. Tells him to go. Show yourself to the priest. Be washed. Be cleansed. But don't tell anyone else. It's one of these kind of times that Jesus is doing this new thing. And then as it continues on, we have Jesus is in the house and he's teaching and people are coming. They're beginning to hear about the things that already he's been doing. They're already hearing about the preaching that he's doing, the teaching, and it's transformative. He speaks with such authority and power. And so people are flocking to Jesus. And so then in verse 17 is where we pick up that next part. And if you remember, this is the scene where these four friends bring their friend that is paralyzed. They, the plan had been to bring him into the house by the door and to put him before Jesus so that Jesus might heal him. But crowds were so full, they're all around, that they had to, you remember the part, I always love pointing out that part where they have to climb up onto the roof. Can you imagine what it'd be like if this was your house? They tear a hole in the roof and they lower him. And they're in the presence of all because of their faith. Jesus heals him. And so then it continues on, and, and Jesus calls Levi, a tax collector, to come and to follow him. And it says that Levi leaves his tax booth. He leaves everything behind and follows him. Once again, just like the leper, tax collectors are people that others wanted to avoid. Jesus doesn't want to avoid them. Jesus calls them. And sure enough, he then goes and he has a meal at Levi's house. As Levi throws this great feast and included in all the people at the table, a lot of other tax collectors. Well, the Pharisees and the scribes, once again, they always seem to be sticking around Jesus. They're wanting to catch him in something. And so once again, 
They see him with all of these Pharisees and scribes, and they want to just turn their nose up. How could you dare dine with them? As we continued into Luke chapter 6, you see the part about the question about the Sabbath, because as Jesus is walking through the fields, he's taking the grain and getting some of the kernels and the Pharisees and the scribes. How dare you blaspheme the Sabbath? Jesus, once again, it just seems like sometimes every time that people want to put him in some of a box, Jesus busts out of that box. He does the things that nobody is expecting. He heals the man with the withered hand. He chooses the 12 disciples. And then we get to the part today where we're picking up. I love the way that this passage begins, and I'm going to reread part of it here. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. He comes down and joins them on a level place. You know, in some ways, I like to think that almost every word is very intentional. And here, when it says that he comes down and speaks with them on level place. You know what I almost picture? In my mind, I almost visualize when an adult is speaking to a child. The way we sometimes get down onto their level to look them eye to eye. Here is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, and he steps down onto the level place. Comes down from the mountain. Comes down on the level place. What I also picture there is I think that Luke is very intentional, once again, in the words that he chooses. As he says that he steps down and stood on a level place. I can't help but think about the words that that John the Baptist had said came for. In just a few chapters before, John the Baptist had said that he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord, to make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled And every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He's standing there on this level place that John had said he had come to prepare. And people are coming from all over. I invite you to go home and Google uh, these locations to see the travel that they had to do to come. And they have come from all over to see him. And some of that terrain is not easy terrain to navigate. But they have come. What is drawing them to Jesus? What is drawing? What is the attraction? I, I believe that, yes, the words that he says have got to be things that are attracting people to him. I think that the things that he's doing, though, that's the thing that really is drawing people. And take note of what the Scripture says, that the people have come from all of these places. Verse 18, they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out of him and healed All of them. I love this. People are drawn because the reality is people are hurt. People are drawn to Jesus because they believe that he can offer them hope. They believe that he can offer them healing. They believe that he can offer them life. And they have been so seized in their afflictions. They have been so caught up 
They believe it might be that way that they can find release. And then, hear the words that, once again, that he begins teaching. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. He's speaking to the reality of the hurt each and every one of them are experiencing. He's speaking to the poor. He's speaking to the hungry. He's speaking to those who weep and are filled with sorrow. He is speaking to those who were hated. For those, to those who were excluded. To those who were reviled. And to those who have been defamed. And friends, you don't have to go all the way to Galilee to be included in that list. Because I don't know about you. We may be experiencing these same afflictions. These same things may be weighing down on us. These same things may have caught us up. And we may not even realize how much it is afflicting us. How much it is impacting the way that we live our life. The stress over finances and day-to-day work and how we're going to be able to provide and meet the needs of those within our family or our household or even planning for a day of retirement. The stress of all these things capture us, consume us, and fill us with so much worry. And the stress and the way that we deal with grief and sorrow, it can totally transform our lives. So much so that grief and sorrow can grip grip us so tightly that we cannot even allow ourselves to begin to experience any type of joy. And the way that we bear the stress, when someone has a grudge against us or they hate us, or even worse, if they've told lies about us, these things, they impact us. And we build this stress up, and we have no idea sometimes how much it's affecting us. But in 2020, there was a study that was released. I believe it was conducted over in Finland. But this study was done investigating how many things in our lives impact the quality of, not just the quality of life, but how long we might live. Now, there were certain things that take years off of our lives, such as bad eating habits or smoking. But I found it fascinating That on average, for men, 2.8 years of their life expectancy, their life expectancy is shortened by 2.8 years because of stress. For women, it's less, 2.3 years. So these things that are consuming us, you know what? They're killing us. These things that we're stressed about, it's shortening our life. It has got us in a grip, and we may not even realize how much these things are impacting our life. And the thing is, Jesus came, and he said, as we were reminded of a few weeks ago, he came with a mission. And Jesus said that he came to fulfill that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, because he anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus has come to release us from those things which has held us in bondage. He's come to set us free. He has come 
to set us free. As Pastor Corey said that in a few weeks throughout the season of Lent, we're going to be looking at this prayer of confession that is a part of our communion liturgy. We prayed it just last week together. And one of my favorite lines in that prayer is that we are confessing the ways that we have sinned against God, whether by commission or omission. And we're asking that God would free us for joyful obedience. Release us from those things which have captured us. We come to Him. We confess our sins. We come to Him to be set free. When we are seized up, we may not even see it. We may not even know it. But God has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. To be set free. At Christmas, Jennifer and I did something for ourselves. We gave ourselves an exercise bike. Believe it or not, I'm not the, the most fit individual in the world. I know that may be a surprise to some of you. But we bought this exercise bike as a way of trying to hold ourselves accountable to, to being able to live a healthy lifestyle. And it's, it's been fascinating. Each day I get so, it's almost an addiction now to have to get on that bike and to make sure that I'm getting in those miles and getting my heart rate up. And the classes that we do as the instructors will be leading, it's amazing. Almost every single one of the classes, it's as if, even if though they can't see me on that bike, you know what? One of the things they always say is, all right, release your shoulders. And almost every single time I'll realize, you know what? I had been raising my shoulders and feeling that tension. I was trying so hard, and I'd raise my shoulders, and they'd say, release your shoulders. And as soon as I do, I feel that difference. You may not hear anything else I say today, but the thing that I want you to make sure you hear today is that you may have your shoulders up, and you may not even know it. You may be so caught up in these things that have brought this oppression of stress upon you. You may not even know that you're bearing the guilt and the shame of things from long ago. You may not even realize it. And maybe today you need to hear, it's time to release. Jesus has come to set you free. Those things that have been killing you, Jesus has come to set you free. And so today we come. And we ask, Lord, free us, set me free for joyful obedience. Today you can be, you can be set free from all of those ways that we've taken on the weight and the hurt of this world. Jesus came to carry those burdens for us. He says, come unto me all ye who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And maybe today is the day that you're ready to receive that rest. We've carried it too long. Today, may we all be set free. Let us pray. Lord, we carry around so many of our troubles. We put on the mask to act as though those things may not truly be bothering us or being a burden. But the reality is, as we carry these burdens... We're not able to live the life that you've called us to. We've been captured. But you have come to set us free. To release us from our sins. To release us from our burdens. To allow us to live a life 
and have it even more abundantly through you. And so today, Lord, for those that maybe have been bearing the burdens of so many others, the worry, the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the sorrow, the grief that has been weighing down, today, Lord, may they be freed for joyful obedience. May they be set free. May they be released in such a way that they feel that weight having been removed. They lower the shoulders and accept the release. So today, Lord, may you fill us with that spirit in such a way that sets us free. But at the same time, may that spirit compel us so much to go out into a world that is filled with the poor, with the hungry, with those who have been defamed, with those that are hated, with those that are looked down upon, with those who are excluded. And may us leave this place today with a fire within us to help others know that they too can be set free. They can be released, freed for joyful obedience through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So Lord, move us today, whether it's by setting us free or sending us forth to set others free. May we be moved by your Spirit. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people would say, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.